Hello, and welcome to Ukulele Abroad. My name is Andre, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Yustan and Alexa. With Easter fast approaching, we thought it'd be a good time to explore the traditions and symbolisms behind Ukrainian Easter celebrations. This and more on Zakhrodonyi Ukrainsi, the podcast for all things Ukrainian. As we all know, Easter is fast approaching, and unlike previous years, this year Ukrainian Easter falls almost a month after Aussie Easter, which is good for us. We get a free weekend. All the cheap <laughs> Easter eggs are coming. <laughs> Buy them on sale now. Are you guys prepped for Easter this year? Can you ever be prepped for Easter? Not really, but you can be as close as you can. I mean, we, get, we usually get two goes at it and I still don't feel ready for either. <laughs> <laughs> so as all Eastern uh, Orthodox culture countries, Lent is taken very seriously in Ukraine. And if followed to the letter, that during Lent, Ukrainians must give up meat, poultry and all their byproducts, as well as dairy, eggs, cheese and milk. Quite hardcore. Yeah, if you go full out. I know um, I'll take some on been pretty good at it now that he's got his garden he always facebook snaps all the cool food that he's making that's vegetarian <laughs> and healthy mama does it as well where she goes full out for it and i don't think i could i, I don't think i'm too healthy to do it <laughs> it's quite hard trying to do or like when you're out trying to find lent appropriate food i find if there's no sushi nearby it's quite hard to find appropriate food especially at uni you just see like the kebabs and the pieders and it's like Leave me the alone. The taste, the smell, <laughs> drags me away. <laughs> Ooh, so as with all things Ukrainian, there's always a long lead time into Ukrainian celebrations. And for Easter, this is no doubt. And preparations begin with Palm Sunday. So Palm Sunday is the Sunday before Easter. And on this day, people commemorate the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem when he rode the donkey and people greeted him with palms. However, since Ukraine isn't the most tropical country in the world, instead of palms, uh, the tradition has evolved to use uh, pussy willow branches. So people come to church and these get blessed and they make ornate... How would you describe them, Yusten? The shutke. I guess ornate weavings. Um, they're like sticks, I guess. Yeah, ornate sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Though we are quite fortunate in Sydney that we kind of have the opposite problem where we have plenty of palms, but it's quite hard to find like verba or pussy willow. The yet, other- yet, I should note, we still persist with the pussy willow all the same. Yes. Father Simon makes a lot of effort and so, do- so does the Orthodox Church down the road. Um, and once after... Church, these um, and they've been blessed. People congregate outside the parish and kind of partake in this fun game where everyone gets to run around and hit each other with the stick. And there's multiple <laughs> sayings that you're meant to say when you hit them. And so, the most traditional one is when you hit the person, you say, So it's not me hitting you, it's the verba or pussy willow that is, and in a week it's vlegdain. So it's a bit of a friendly reminder that you got to get ready. Imagine if it was on the head, though. <laughs> well, they're quite small. And then in Halachana or Western in Ukraine, they say, Shutka bie, Yanne bio, vidneni za tezdin budu nas vlegdain. 
It's almost the exact same, just different. Yeah, different accent and different, like slight change of wording. However, there's a cute one that little kids can say, and it's "Buď veliký jak vrba, a zdravý jak voda, a bohatý jak zemlá." So, be as big as a pussy willow tree, be as strong as the water, and be as rich as the land. Very nice. And just stepping back a bit, Alexa, I know that obviously some of our listeners may not be aware of the differences in date. So, obviously, the Julian calendar and and the Gregorian calendar. And I think it's calculated by the moon. Is that right? Yes. So, from memory, uh, Easter is calculated from Passover, and Passover is based off the moon. And so then, because the Roman Catholic Church has moved onto the Gregorian calendar, because of the change in dates, you will get sometimes that um, Roman Catholic Easter falls at a different time from Orthodox Easter, and which is why on years like this, you'll find that Easter's a month apart. Yeah, so I think it's important to clarify that when you have uh, your Ukrainian Christmas, which is not the 25th, but the 7th, that's more just the literal shift from the calculation of the calendar itself, whereas Easter gets a little bit more complicated and can sometimes fall on the same day. Yes, and um, while there has been talk in Ukraine of potentially moving Christmas to the 25th, no Ukrainian church has ever advocated celebrating Easter on the same day as as Roman Catholicism because they disagree with how they calculate Easter. So you'll get the occasional year where they'll fall on the same... Uh, same time, so it adds a bit more stress. I feel I always prefer when our Easter's like a week later. It's a bit easier to get ready for everything because you have the public holiday and you can kind of prep. Yeah, yeah. So after Palm Sunday, you went to Holy Week, and Holy Week kind of begins like the climax of Holy Week starts on Holy Thursday, which commemorates the Passion of Christ, and. By this date, tradition dictates that the house should be clean, everything should be ready to go for Easter Sunday, and after Holy Thursday, no work is permitted besides like the minor stuff that you have to do to survive your day-to-day life. And um, from this time on, you're, the family is meant to focus on attending church and like getting ready for the celebrations coming up on Easter Sunday. Now, Good Friday or Veleka Pyatnitya is observed as a day of strict fast and no meat or dairy products are to be consumed. And in the church, you'll find that they set up this thing called a Ploschenetia, which represents the tomb of Christ for worshippers to pray at. And I know here in Sydney, um, we've recently gotten a new Ploschenetia, a bit more fancy than the giant hill that we used to have set up before in the church. And on Easter Friday, you have the first procession um, that occurs around the church. And this procession symbolizes Christ's journey from the Calvary where he was crucified to his tomb. This procession is usually led by a parishioner holding the cross and then the priests or the elder members of the parish holding the plostinetia, followed by everyone else. And you kind of get the big, long, snaking group of people walking around the church. And I know in Sydney, because there's so many different because it's such a multicultural city, you'll see like each uh, congregation does it slightly differently. So like the Maronites, they like block off a whole suburb for their procession. And then like the Greeks will block off like a block or something. Thankfully, our church here has a lot of room, so we don't need to block anyone off. Though like you get a lot of stairs from the train station outside our church <laughs> <laughs> whenever we go around. 
Yeah, usually more p- people are more confused when Easter falls on a later date. They're kind of like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's always good. Um, so after Good Friday, that takes us to like, you know, the sort of iconic climax of Easter for Ukrainians, which is Easter Saturday, where everyone goes to church with their Easter basket or koshik. So Andrei, what's in an Ukrainian koshik for Easter? So in these koshik here, we have quite a lot of bits inside. So we have the paska, which represents Christ and our life of, uh, and bread of life. Uh, we have the pesenke, which are the new life and the resurrection of Christ. We have horseradish, which is the passion of Christ. Bacon, which is God's mercy. I don't really see that too often, though. In our yeah, basket. I, I, you don't see shreds of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> we have cheese, which is the moderation that Christians should show in all things. Salt, the duty of Christians to others. Ham, the great joy and abundance of Easter. Butter, the goodness of Christ. And kolbasa, God's favor and generosity. So there's quite a lot of things that make up uh, Koshik. And we should say that this isn't the full list of things that you put in a Koshik. Like, every, like people are free to put in other things that they prefer. Yeah, you can put in other stuff as well, like Alexa said. And you can put in um, like candles and some other stuff as Chocolate well. Chocolate eggs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some modern stuff now. So on the Sunday after the liturgy has happened, um, the parish kids come outside and they pre- uh, they perform hayevke or circle dancing. And so they go around, they do a couple of uh, circles and like snake patterns and stuff. And while they're doing this, they're also singing some songs as well. And now these songs, they are believed to be pre-Christian songs. And so they have a deeper meaning. Yeah, so um, some of the... Some of the songs have been found to have been recorded and sung in Kyrgyz times. And so there is the belief that some of them predate Christianity and they've just been molded to fit um, Pascha more. Now, do you remember doing these? You stand at Ukrainian school? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. The most iconic one that I remember when we did High of Care was the one where you make like the little bridge and like you have one of the little kids walk across it. So, Andrei, what would you say would be your most iconic high of care dance? Um, probably like the old man one. I'm not sure what it's actually called. But um, what happens is that everyone sits down in a circle and you have one person um, going around in a cir- inside the circle. And he switches between skipping and then like pretending to be like old. And then um, at some point you start picking out people to come join you. And so... What ends up happening, you start forming a line inside the circle where like, you're all skipping and then you're all pretending to be old. I found that one always funny to do. Yeah, my one would be when everyone makes like the, the bridge with their arms and then you have like the littlest person like walk across it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's another classic. Um, how you have care, yeah. Yeah. Um, but what would you say would be the biggest symbol of Ukrainian A-star? The Pesenka, really. I'd say that. Because, like, they have so much meaning behind it. Yeah, and they're pretty iconic. There's, like, the giant Pesenka in Canada and the Pesenka Museum in Kolome. I think they're pretty iconic buildings. Yeah. Yeah, the giant Pesenka on the prairies in Vegaville is definitely a pretty good site. I mean, it was opened by the Queen Queen Elizabeth II in the 70s. So, it has a really nice, I guess, very prominent symbol of... Ukrainian culture, especially in Canada and North America, 
So as mentioned earlier, Pesinka is a Ukrainian Easter egg. It's a very distinctive decorated egg uh, that actually uses the wax resist method to create it. Uh, I, I think first and foremost, the reason they're called Pesinka is because of the Ukrainian word Pesate, which is to write or to inscribe. Uh, and the reason that this is used is it's not particularly a painted there is some styles that are painted, but generally, Pesinka are not a painted activity. They're used, uh, you use a thing called a kiska to inscribe bee wax on the egg and use a series of dyes to dye different colors. So you might start with a base color that might be a certain thing, and you have lines in that color, and then you cover it, uh, cover it with the wax on those lines. Then you move on to the next one. Um, and from the next one, you can then. Uh, create a different color and different set of intricate lines. So you can see they're usually very complex patterns. They can be Vashevenka style patterns. There's a lot of symbolism that comes from the different uh, symbols that are put on, um, which all mean different things. And ultimately, uh, they can take very different forms. The other thing that's quite interesting about Pesinka is just the variety of styles that have, have kind of been formalized over time. So particularly through different regions of Ukraine, there's generally a series of accepted styles nowadays. Um, and they include something as very basic as krishanke, which again comes from the word uh, krasete or to decorate. And all that is is really literally boiled eggs that we put in a dye in a single color using some dye. Um, and they're actually used to eat during Easter. So I'm not sure how many of you are used to smashing eggs together at, um, during Easter. We never did it. Really? At really? home. But I've heard everyone else doing it. So I don't know why we never did it. <laughs> yeah, it's always something we did. Um, it was something we all look forward to. And I mean, my, I must admit, I didn't really like boiled eggs when I was a child. But <laughs> Do you have a good win streak, you stand? <laughs> yeah, occasionally. But the difference was I'd still waste the eggs and get my dad or someone else to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not a fan of boiled eggs either. So. <laughs> love eggs, just not boiled. Really hard boiled, I should clarify. Um, and then there's the standard, I guess, not standard, but the general pesinka, which again is using, um, making intricate patterns using the liquid wax. And something slightly different that's, I think, worth noting is that there is also uh, krepenke, which comes from the Ukrainian word krapka, which really just means dripping or drops or dots, um, a krapka being a full stop, I guess, in some ways too. So there's a bit of concept there but really that's more if you can imagine i guess even australian indigenous art it's more about kind of having a dot pattern um it's considered one of the more basic pesanke my favorite is the fact that east is becoming slowly commercialized in ukraine that you can buy like the instant pesanke stickers oh yeah yeah i mean the only place you could ever get those was canada and now oh, can the, get, yeah yes yeah, so now you can get them in ukraine which is great I'm still waiting for someone to get smart and release a chocolate egg that has a pesinka pattern on the foil. Oh, that'd be like really, like that should be really easy for them to do. It should be really easy and the royalties will come to Yuki Life Abroad when it's done. um, (laughs) You heard it here first. You heard it here first, but I think I've been waiting a while for someone to link pesinka and children and chocolate. Um, The other... Another style that's probably worth mentioning is Malyovanke, which is really more painting a style. So that's something that has come in more modern times as well. And another style is Nakleyenke, 
which, as Alexa mentioned, is the ones that are basically preset and can be stuck on. Usually you heat the sticker in the water and then you put the egg in and, and then it will seal off and shrink in. We usually um, use that to beef out the kosh eggs. <laughs> There's more eggs in there. Yeah, and I think I've used it once or twice when the pests and care that have been produced by children aren't as good as they need to be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, that sounds good. So aside from the different types, I think I mentioned earlier that the, the tradition of pest and care is quite long-lived within Ukrainian culture. Uh, and looking back, I guess there's no no actual pest and care have been found from Ukraine's prehistoric periods, um, but obviously eggshells aren't something that you expect to last that long. However, they have found um, ceramic eggs in excavations um, around um, that probably date somewhere between um, the 5th or 3rd millennium BC, um, and these eggs were ornamented with... Um, a form of small stones, which were basically more of a pagan ritual to scare spirits away. Um, beyond that, again, really when we look at the Kievan Rus period, there aren't any actual person care that would possibly even survive from that period, assuming they even were made. However, there was uh, quite a bit of um, other types of stone and clay versions, bone versions even, so versions made from uh, animal bones, that have been found and excavated. Um, and they also contain patterns that are consistent with his, you know, person care and some of the historic patterns might be a bit older. Um, it's so pretty cool that even in Kievskodois, like they were making person care or like proto-person care. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's been about 70 of these found over time. Um and they're thought to be, I guess, memorialising real eggs that were decorated. So the idea is the ones that they found that were done in this more permanent fashion were designed to kind of, yeah, memorialise what was done on a real egg. If you made a perfect one, it's like, all right, guys, got to recreate this on stone so I can remember. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the oldest real pesinka um, was excavated in Lviv in 2013. It was actually found in a rainwater system. <laughs> I don't know. I'm surprised it actually. Yeah, it's it's yeah. so surprising it could have survived that. Yeah, well, I guess yeah, water moving quickly causes problems. Maybe water floating doesn't. But yeah, so this um this particular egg was dating back to the 15th and 16th century, and it was actually a goose egg um, as opposed to a chicken egg. Um, and the second oldest person car also dates around the 17th century, during uh, Hetman Mazapa's uh, period of rule. So there are many legends and superstitions linked to person care. And one of the most interesting ones for me, and it's also one that hits kind of closer to home, is the the Hutzel, like, sub-ethnic group of U- in Ukraine. They used to believe that the fate of the world depended on the amount of person care that were circling in circulation. And so as... And they believed so long as the person care tradition continued, the world would continue to exist. And so the legend was, is that once a year, this big serpent would come out and he would have a look and see how many pesenke were made. And if there weren't enough made, his chains would be loosened and he would be free to wander the earth and cause havoc and destruction for that year. Um, And then there's even more like uh, Christian legends that are linked to pesenke. And so there's one legend that says that um, Peter the peddler who helped Jesus carry the cross, he had to drop his things to help him carry the cross. And when he came back to pick his stuff up, he found that the eggs had all turned into intricately decorated pesenke. 
So, you know, there's one there. Um, and there's others of saying like that the Virgin Mary cried as Jesus was being crucified and her tears turned the eggs colourful. Yeah, and even earlier, I think they, like you mentioned about the superstitions that were associated with pests and care, there was even the idea that because of the powerful magic that they had, they had to be disposed of in a certain way so as to not let the witches catch on to them. And so, like, I just find that really fascinating. So, like, the idea was that they had to be, um, basically, the eggshell had to be ground up, like, very, very finely and had to be fed to chickens or broken to pieces and thrown into a stream. And what's like, yeah, and like building off that, like not even like the pesanka itself was considered a very powerful magical tool, but even the tools used to make it, like even the towel that you would use to dry the pesanka was seen as another powerful magical tool that had to be protected. And it was believed that this pesanka rag could be used to clear, um, cure various skin diseases. And so it was considered bad luck to trample on it as you'd be punished with a variety of illnesses. Yeah, so it's crazy and families were put in a lot of effort to make peasant care and like it was traditionally considered a woman's role to make peasant care and the more daughters a family would have, the more peasant care they would have, which they could then give out on Easter. But however, these days, there's plenty of talented people that make peasant care. It does sound like their output was higher when you when I was, when looking at the research. It's like they, like each family was expected to do like... Or at least by the by the wife, as you say, or the woman of the house, they do almost like fifty or sixty eggs on Holy Thursday. That's a lot of pesanke. I feel like the designs must have been a lot simpler if they're if you're pumping out sixty. Well, not if you're giving them out to everyone in the salon. <laughs> Surely you have to like. <laughs> True. I reckon it was because like they had, in a way, sort of less stuff less stuff to worry about, or like less less stuff to actually do in the household. Really? Though that might just be... Well, there's probably less things to distract you because there's no TV, there's no phone. Like, once you've cleaned the house, you've kind of got nothing else to keep you occupied for the rest of the day. So, I can see it from that way. But you'd be giving it to a lot of people. Like, so typically, you one or two would be given... From a family, one or two would be given to the parish priest or the, the salon priest. Three or four would be taken to the cemetery for the graves to put them on family, which some of us do here. Um 10 or 12 were given to children, godchildren. Some were given to basically exchange between the unmarried girls and the eligible men in the community. You got to suss out who's got the best person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then like, and interestingly as well, several are saved for the home to protect um, from fire, lightning and storm. So you see a little bit of that pagan protection, magical power thing coming back through even today. So yeah. And, uh, Pesanke have all these different symbols. And do you want to take us through what some of the more iconic ones are? So, there's actually quite a lot that goes into making a Pesanke. Um, I'm not sure about back then, but um, nowadays you have a lot of like intri- uh, intricate symbols or like either overlapping each other or form like a bigger picture in a sense. And so, you have shapes, you have animals, you have gods, uh, like pagan gods that have uh, now sort of been represented in a sense. You also have plants, you have animals, and yeah, even the colors have different meanings as well. So there's a lot that goes into um, into what makes a pesinka a pesinka really. So some of the some of like the most common 
symbols that you'd see would be triangles, diamonds, swells, dots, and uh, eternity bands. And each of these symbols had their own meaning. So, for example, the triangles represented plowed fields and the dots represented the seeds. Um, the eternity bands were composed of waves, lines, or ribbons, and they represented the Bezokinchinuk, uh, or the never-ending line, and this represented immortality. Now, for the waves, they also represented the serpent god, which was an ancient water god, and they therefore considered to be an agricultural symbol to ensure a good uh, crop harvest. We also have the Berehenya, or the goddess motif, and these are most commonly found in Bukovena and Pugliese, and the goddess was believed to be the source of life and death. And so, on the one hand, she was the life-giving mother, the creator of heaven and all living things, and the mistress of the heavenly water, which uh, would reign on earth. And on the other hand, she was the merciless controller of destinies. Now, not all things are pagan symbols. We also have a couple Christian symbols that pop up as well. And so... A common symbol that you'd see in Hutsuschina, um, which is in uh, the Carpathian Mountain area, uh, you'd actually see churches, and they always came as frees. So you'd have free stories or free roofs, free towers, free openings, and you'd sometimes have a bell tower on top. So this would represent one of the Christian symbols. We also had crosses that came along, and... Uh, initially, these crosses actually represented the sun symbol, uh, the sun symbol, but now they have changed their meaning to become more Christian-based as well. Um, one of the most common plant-based motifs you'd see would be the vazon or the tree of life. Now, it sometimes appeared as uh, two uh, two deers on either side of a pine tree. Or it was a flower pot with uh, leaves and flowers in it. The pot was meant to represent the earth and the branches growing out of it represented, like I said before, the berehenya. You said, Andre, that they also painted animals on Pesenge. What kind of animals did they do? So they actually split them up into different categories. You had wild animals such as deers, birds, and fish. And you had domesticated ones like horses, rams, and... Poultry. Poultry. So, uh, horses, they often symbolize strength and endurance, as well as wealth and prosperity. And that was the same for deers as well. Rams symbolized leadership, strength, dignity, and perseverance. And Andre, you mentioned that the colors have symbolism behind them as well. Yeah, so you can either have like the krashenke, uh, like you mentioned before, or you could have multicolored, which is your typical pesenke. Now, some of the typical colors that you'd see would be red, which was the oldest symbolic color, and it has many meanings, and it usually represented life-giving blood and love, joy, and the hope of marriage. Black was a sacred color and is most commonly associated with other world, but not in a negative sense. Yellow represented the moon, the stars, and agriculture. Blue represented the skies and for good health. White was purity, birth, light, and virginity. Green was the color of new life in spring. And brown represented the earth. You also had uh, color combinations, which also had a meaning as well. So black and white represented mourning and the respect for the dead. 
black and red was perceived as harsh and frightful and very disturbing. And four or more colours was often represented as family happiness, prosperity and health. So, I guess the more colours, the better. Therefore, your family's happy. So, I guess if you've got an unmarried daughter that you're trying to marry, you have a rainbow person code, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> to show how happy the family you're going to be marrying into? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, let me examine this egg. I'm like, oh, there's only four colours on here, guys. It's like, are you worth my daughter? <laughs> So I think that brings us around to the end of our discussion and exploration of Ukrainian East traditions. There's a whole part around Pasca and Kobasa that we all enjoy eating that we haven't really covered. But hopefully those who are celebrating enjoy their Easter and have a, a great break otherwise. In the news this week. The Russian Navy has initiated a blockade of broad areas of the Black Sea near Crimea to restrict foreign naval access until November. President Zelensky has stated that our principle is simple. Ukraine does not start a war first, but Ukraine always stands to the last man. Ukraine's Navy has held drills with Romania's Navy. The drills included combat training to repel attacks by high-speed small-sized boats, perform replenishment at sea, and ensure control over civilian shipping in a designated area. In addition to this, the United Kingdom has announced that it will be sending two warships to the Black Sea to show support for Ukraine and other NATO allies in the face of Russian aggression. This is after the US cancelled sending two warships to the region. Ukrainian MP and member of Ukraine's delegation to the Parliamentary Assembly of the of the Council of Europe, Oleksiy Honcharenko, is facing disciplinary sanctions. The sanctions relate to him unfurling a bullet-ridden Ukrainian flag during his speech to highlight the fact that the Parliamentary Assembly did not include a single word about the territorial integrity and sovereignty of member states or the peaceful resolution of conflicts in Europe in its agenda. The US Senate Foreign Relations Committee is expected to vote on the Ukraine Security Partnership Act to increase military aid for Ukraine. The act will include the supply of lethal weapons which President Zelensky has strongly requested. The vote comes in light of Russia's recent escalations along the Ukrainian border and its actions in the Azov and Black Seas. The Russian government has announced the withdrawal of its troops from the Ukrainian border. The withdrawal was meant to occur on the 23rd of April after the conclusion of military drills held in occupied Crimea and along the Ukrainian border. Both Ukraina and NATO have welcomed the announcement but will continue to monitor the situation. This week, Ukraina and the whole world commemorates the Chernobyl disaster. In Ukraina, the tragedy is traditionally commemorated by an early morning ceremony near the reactor. The survivors and families of the victims also attend various services across the country. Let us know which stories you'd like to hear by reaching out to us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Join us next week for more UK Life Abroad content.